take a moment and think about the word motherhood. Now think about the journey into motherhood. For many, words like pregnancy and birth come to mind, but not every woman's path includes biological children. Either by choice or circumstance, some journeys simply don't lead to quote-unquote natural motherhood. One of my children was adopted out of the foster care system, and during my time as a foster parent, I met some amazing individuals. They're true embodiments of the village it takes to raise our children. One of those people is Jess. You heard her voice at the beginning of this episode, and I'm excited to share her journey with you. I'm Heather Kuntz, and this is Motherhood Material. When people become foster parents, they do so for a variety of reasons. And before you even think it, let me assure you, it's not the money. Some people seek to expand their family when infertility or medical roadblocks stand in the way. Others aim to provide a safe place until children are old enough to stand on their own. For Jess, becoming a foster parent was about making an impact. She always knew she was going to be a mother. She just had no idea her path would look so different. It all started when she met her husband. We actually grew up two houses, about two houses down the road from each other. Uh, We went to high school, went to college, uh, but we didn't start dating until it had already 11 years had passed. Uh, So it took us quite a while to figure things out. I think before we got married, I don't know that we necessarily had like specific conversations about it, but... um, I had always wanted kids. I think he knew that from the get-go, just from knowing me so long. Um, I knew he wanted kids, but I guess it was more of a when for him and not uh, an if we have kids. For Jess, motherhood felt natural. My mom would tell you I was just born that way. (laughs) When I was little, I had this baby doll that I got from one of my caregivers and she, that doll went with me everywhere. I had car seat, a car seat for it. I had a diaper bag for it, a stroller. My mom said I never left the house without that baby. And I think ever since that time of my life, I've always wanted to be a mom. Soon after getting married in August of 2014, Jess became unexpectedly pregnant. But unfortunately, it was just the beginning of a long battle. I was on a medication at the time. And so I wasn't supposed to get pregnant. And sure enough, we did uh, miscarry that baby. But that moment was the moment that both of us kind of decided that we wanted to pursue a family. Um, We didn't know how long it would take. So we figured, why not start now? Um, And now looking back on it, I'm kind of glad we did start when we did. Because... um, here we are five years later. It took us five years to get to this point, And it took us five years of heartbreak and many miscarriages and many unanswered questions to get here. When Jess says, here we are now, she means here we are as parents. Because after years of trying to have a baby, Jess and her husband do have children. Two, actually. Just not in the way they'd expected. Prior to my husband and I dating, we both had signed up to become um, CASAs or court-appointed special advocates. Um, 
We both served as classes on the same case. Uh, by the time training and certification had gotten through, we had actually started dating and then we got married. Um, so we served on the same case and we both felt that we made an impact, but it wasn't the impact we wanted to make in the foster care system. And because of our struggles at that point of trying to get pregnant, we felt like we could use our home and our hearts for something greater than we had anticipated. And that led us to inquire about foster care with our agency. And that was the beginning of our story as foster parents. Like all foster parents before her, Jess waited on the call. That call. The one with a caseworker on the other end saying they have a child to place in your home. That feeling is so hard to explain. The call means you get to help a child, which is what you want. But it also means something terrible happened, which you obviously don't want. In the beginning, I can remember the weeks, or not weeks, but the days leading up to that phone call. And it was just this anticipation of when is it going to come? I'm so ready. I'm so prepared. Like, I, I just want this to happen. Um, I could not wait for that phone to ring. <laughs> this, the calls that came afterwards, though, were a little bit more like, am I really ready? Like, have I really recovered from the last kids? Am I sure about this? And those calls come, and of course, the, the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes, but it's not always convenient. In fact, it's almost never convenient. I've had placement calls at work, during dinner, at midnight, all with 10-minute heads up that a stranger was headed to live with me. For Jess, it was no different. Our first placement, um, we had waited a couple weeks, um, and the call came. It was, I want to say like 9 o'clock on a Thursday evening. I was actually preparing to leave for Arkansas to go to, to shoot a wedding, um, and the call came and we said yes. And 30 minutes later, we're signing papers and we take home these two very distraught, very tired, very upset children. And the next day I left my husband with two kids by himself and he had never been around children before. <laughs> then six calls later, Jess and her husband accepted placement of a baby boy on their wedding anniversary. As is commonplace within the foster care system, there were several siblings involved with the case. And despite efforts to keep them together, DHS decided to place the baby's older siblings in a different foster home. About a month later, Jess was asked if they could be a home for one of those siblings too. It was an easy yes. And suddenly, Jess found herself caring for two siblings who desperately needed her attention. She loved on them every day while juggling doctor's appointments, court dates, visitations, and caseworkers. And the truth is, not all caseworkers are the same. I would say in most scenarios, having a caseworker can be usually pretty difficult. Um, caseworkers have a lot of cases. It's really hard to get in touch with them a lot of the time. And usually they're the only ones that have the answers to the questions that you're seeking. Um, so that's really frustrating because you're trying to advocate for these kids. And the only way you can do that is with updated current information. But to get that information is really difficult. And then you go into court 
And again, you want to advocate for these kids. You want to tell the court, you know, I'm the person that spends all day, every day with these kids. I know who they are. I know what they like. I know what they need. But a lot of the times as foster parents, you don't even get heard. Um, Like if you have a really good caseworker, they'll bring your concerns forth to the court. But sometimes your caseworker is so overworked with other cases, they'll just kind of get by in court. And so it can feel really, really difficult to do your job as a foster parent. Um, And it can feel like you're unheard by everybody, the ADA, the child's attorney, the caseworker, counselors even. All the while, Jess and her husband navigated the numerous restrictions placed on foster parents. For example, did you know you can't cut a foster child's hair without permission or take them on vacation without a travel authorization? I guess the weirdest restriction for me is the haircutting. It doesn't really seem like something you would need permission for, but like you need permission for it. And sometimes parents in a power struggle with you will be like, no, you can't, you can't cut their hair. Our youngest was in the hospital for two weeks. And again, we were blessed with a really great caseworker who actually was present for a lot of the time that she was in the hospital, which is super unusual, first of all. But um, it can be really nerve wracking when your child's in the hospital and needs extraordinary care and you have to wait for a judge to sign off on it. Now, obviously, in a life-threatening situation, the doctor can override that need for a court order. But if it's just like a, a comfort kind of procedure or, in our child's case, just needing something extra to help her um, get over her illness, that can be extremely nerve-wracking. Like, she needed it so badly, but we were at the mercy of the court. We didn't have a choice. It's situations like those that led Jess to the question all foster parents ask at some point. What can you do? You're, you're supposed to advocate for this child. And again, you're, you're not heard because you're just the foster parent. Just the foster parent. It's one of the sad truths of the foster care system. You spend every day with the children in your care, but when it comes down to it, you're really just a guardian. Sometimes you raise the children from infancy like in Jess's case, or my own, but you can't expect to have them forever. Because, typically, the biological parents are still out there, trying. And as foster parents, your goal has to be reunification. You're expected to be on the side of the biological parent. And that's not always easy, especially with the ninth placement call Jess received, a medically fragile newborn baby. We've been her foster family for a year, almost a year now, she has basically been our daughter and there's someone else fighting us for her and they like to tell us that they know things about her and that they know her, um, but they don't know her. And the part of me that the foster part of me will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But the, the mother in me is like, you don't know my child. Like, you don't know what makes her laugh. You don't know what makes her, you don't know what calms her down when she's upset. You don't know, you don't know all these things. But of course, you can't say those things, even though it's hard. As foster parents, 
You walk a fine line of advocating for the children in your care while trying to avoid appearing too passionate. You can be accused of trying to sway a judge if you cry in court. So back to the siblings in Jess's home, she's raising these two children while trying to help their biological parents obtain the tools they need to get them back. Something called bridging. But it just wasn't working. We got them and the situation was um, not your typical foster care situation. They were neglected, but also very loved by their biological parents. Um, There were some issues out of everyone's control in their situation. And we all worked really, really hard to bring these bio parents up to speed and to make it possible for them to care for all of their children. The unknowns are scary. Um, It's really hard to to love your children so much and then to feel like you have to put them in harm's way. They, they felt like my kids. I mean, I don't know. There was something different about them. I always tell people that, but it felt like I was putting them in a situation that as a mother, I should never have put the kids in. Um, a lot of it was the unknown part of how visitation went or how the case was going. But yeah, uh, the unknowns are scary. The, Waiting is scary, the, the, just the whole situation. The whole situation is scary. In addition to all the appointments, all the walking on eggshells, the stress, tears, and outgrown clothes, you also have the threat that, at any moment, the kids you've loved so hard could be gone. And not in a way you've prepared for. Not reunification, but rather a distant family member suddenly appearing and winning the favor of DHS. I think the hardest thing about foster care is, like you said, the unknowns. Um, It's living your life every day and not knowing if you're going to get a call saying, hey, this child's being moved to a kinship home or, hey, we found another family that wants to adopt them. Um, Sorry, you're not you're not an option anymore. You give these kids your all. You give them your heart. You give them your your patience and your time and even your money. Um, And the next day they could be gone and you just have to, you just have to roll with it. But soon enough, the case went to adoption. And in January, Jess and her husband officially welcomed those two siblings into their family. Though she was always a mom, now it was official on paper. And for Jess, it's a pretty amazing feeling. Still sinking in. It's, I mean, it's been six months, I think. Um, so it, it doesn't really feel real entirely yet. But yeah, they're mine. Now Jess can get passports without a court order. She can trim bangs without a permission slip. And she can continue helping her children grow and succeed. So these kids come to your home from situations that you can't even imagine. Um, situations that it, it almost seems like it's a... TV show, a plot line on a TV show or a plot line in in a movie. It's, it's seeing the most rewarding part for me is seeing them overcome every setback that they have because they're finally in an environment where they can thrive and where they can grow and they can learn. And it could be the smallest uh, step forward, but man, it's going to be celebrated. That's for sure. Jess and her husband are still fostering, and she credits their strong relationship for the ability to keep going. 
Foster care is trying on a marriage, there's no doubt about it. In addition to finding your perfect partner, Jess also has wise words of advice for anyone considering fostering. You have to guard your heart, but also open your heart all the time. I never expected that my path to motherhood would play out the way that it did. Uh, Definitely unexpected. Um, But the piece of advice I would give, having children is not what makes a mother. Being this person who is willing to give every bit of love and attention and patience and kindness and pretty much every emotion you can think of in relation to a mother when you're willing to give that that's what makes you a mother even if you're still waiting your time will come you can do this just be patient thank you to jess for sharing her motherhood journey with us if you're interested in foster care don't hesitate to contact your local resources or feel free to reach out to me i'd be happy to share my story and help you get started Next week, we've got another inspiring story to share with you, so please tune in for that. Thanks for listening. Motherhood Material is produced by me, Heather Kuntz. Music by Eric Medias. For more information or to be featured, contact motherhoodmaterialpod at gmail.com.